2: Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
3: Hey, what up? Welcome in. I'm Doug Gottlieb and you are listening to All Ball. All basketball, all the time. My guest this week is a legend in the state of Iowa. He's been a coach. He's now a broadcaster with the Big Ten Network. He is Jess Settles great dude awesome stories and a really amazing career where he played not one not two not three not four not five but six years six years at iowa because of major back problems caused not playing the nba but former mr basketball state of iowa jess settles will be our guest um couple of quick hoop thoughts as we're getting ready to watch the world cup and we're trying to decipher kobe bryant versus shaquille o'neal is there beef and I don't know if you say no new beef, but this is clearly beef. This is how it was with Shaq. Shaq didn't come in in shape. Phil didn't, you know, crack the whip to get him in shape. One of the big big reasons they didn't have two a days when Shaq was on the Lakers was because Shaq wasn't in shape and Phil didn't want to kill him. There's no sense in having crazy training camp when you're going to be playing all the way till June. It's one of the genius parts of uh, Phil Jackson's coaching that people won't give him enough credit for. They just won't. So the first thing is, and this is really, really important. Neither Kobe nor Shaq are telling lies. Now I do think that Shaq is a little bit overplaying the, had Kobe passed more against the Pistons. Let's not go into the Pistons series and all the things that were going wrong there. But the bigger issue is Shaq could have been the greatest player of all time or the biggest, greatest big man of all time. That's what everybody with the Lakers. And I was with the Lakers in, three free agent camps and when the summer league would always say, but he likes being Shaq movies, TV shows, uh, music videos, hanging out, big personality. And it's work for him. He's a genius in business and he's a great dude, but you can be a great dude and not be completely locked in on being the greatest ever, not being wired the way that Kobe was wired. Right? Kobe was wired kind of like a serial killer, but he was also wired like a guy who, you know, more like a backup point guard. I want to get everything I possibly can out of my body. Every amount of potential I want to get out. Now, was he selfish? Sure, Shaq's right there. He was selfish. He would take bad shots. He could be hard to play with. He could be hard uh, to he, he could be hard to manage as a personality and an ego. But but Kobe worked his ass off and he was always in shape. Shaq naturally incredibly gifted, fast, quick, strong. You name it. And, oh, yeah, by the way, huge. You ever met Shaq? One of the hugest human beings you'll ever meet. Great, smart personality. But when the season was over, he was done. He was shutting it down for a bit. He wasn't about developing his game. He would develop his game as they went. And that's why he never became a great free throw shooter. That's why he never developed, you know, much of a perimeter game. And, oh, yeah, by the way, yes, Shaq, you can have. It doesn't mean you have a bad work ethic, but he wouldn't guard pick and rolls. I mean, how many guys would play against the Lakers shooting point guards like Mike Bibby, like Trevor Hudson, come out and hit shots where Shaq was supposed to be? So there's no new beef, but this is in fact the beef. And this is part of what led to the breakup of Shaq and Kobe. Why the team sided with Kobe. Right? Shaq had more potential. Shaq had greater dominance. But Kobe... You get everything you can out of Kobe. Kevin got everything he could out of his body. I don't think you can say the same for Shaq.
4: Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
3: Dwight Howard has just signed with the L.A. Lakers. And you get people who clown Dwight Howard signing with the L.A. Lakers. They put some parameters on it. L- let me tell you what I've, what I've heard about Dwight Howard signing. I heard his workout was the best workout of any big guy that the Lakers had in their building, on their roster, not on their roster that he's lost 25 pounds. Here here was the quote. Where's it here from a Lakers front office guy. If my body looked like Dwight Howard's, I would never put on a shirt. They said he was fast. He was agile. He was bouncy. He looked amazing. And here's the thing about Dwight Howard being a weird dude. He is. There's lots of weird dudes in the NBA. So I don't know if it works. I do know they need him to play. You know, there, there is kind of a sense of, well, you, only, you don't need him for backup. Like, no, you probably need 20 minutes a game out of him. You know, JaVale McGee's only good when you play him 15 to 18 minutes. And then they're going to play Anthony Davis some small ball five. Maybe little LeBron at small ball five. But they, they're going to need him. And then you have DeMarcus Cousins and... As good, as as talented as Cousins was, now with the arrest warrant for him, because of the threat he made to the mother of his child, like, and and I do understand there's some nuance to it, she didn't want to bring the kid to his wedding, I mean, there's a lot going on there, a lot, but he can't say what he said, does that mean he'll be out of the league forever, no. But this, this it was a conclusion that many people saw might have seen coming because of his behavior previously in his career. I'll only tell you this: I don't know if Demarcus just fakes it more, fakes it more, or fakes it better than he used to. But I've run into it a couple times, and he's been incredibly gracious. But I kind of think that this sort of thing, in addition to the lack of work ethic at practice, you know. Like we could have seen this coming a mile away. It, it's really unfortunate because he was a really talented guy and now he suffered three straight injuries on one leg and now he's facing a charge. And I, do I, do I, do I think he meant it? Probably not. But the fact that the call was being recorded tells you it probably wasn't the first time he said something of the kind. I don't know. If DeMarcus cousins is done in the NBA, but it wouldn't stun me if it's really, really hard to find him a home in the NBA
4: slash i heart.
3: All right, so look, uh, this is the this is the first all-ball now that a lot of kids are back into college. And I, I wrote an article for ESPN.com a long time ago, and I think I need to tinker with it and redo it a little bit and put it out in The Athletic, or if they don't want it, I'll put it out just on Facebook whatever. But um, the idea is this. It's for freshmen, and... I do think it works a little bit for high school, but it actually works best, obviously, for college. It's the idea that you got to unpack. And you can use this when you go to a new job. I've taken jobs where I didn't have a great feeling about it, and I didn't emotionally unpack until maybe it was too late. But it's, it's a couple of tips for basketball players to succeed once they get to college to have the best freshman year possible, you're going to be a little lonely. Less lonely now, obviously, than when we went to school, when I went to school, because, hell, now you can FaceTime everybody. You know, travel seems a whole lot easier, but like cell phones bring you so much closer to people. Maybe too close. But you can't get FOMO from other people's social media. Oh man, hey, I want that. Why why don't we have that facility? Why don't I have that workout? Why am I not playing as much as this guy? The the big key is lock in on your studies. Get ahead early. I right? tell my own kids this because the when when the teachers when the when the coaches go around and find out how you're doing in school, if you're on the border, unless you're a superstar, they're going to bail on you because they they can't depend on you to be available second semester. One key, part, uh, one key component to ability is availability. And if they think, man, this dude ain't going to be eligible second semester. He's going to flunk out at the end of the year. You think they're going to invest in you in a basketball court? Of course not. Um, you need to, to be kind to managers. Those managers just want to be part of the program and likely want to be a coach in the future. And you know what? Once you get to February and you need some new gear, who's going to take care of you? The manager. So I I think those are two key parts to it. I think you got to get your rest. You got to eat right. Why do you have to do both? Because when you get your rest, when you eat right, you're going to be a better practice player. You're a better practice player. You make more shots in practice, make more shots in practice. You'll get more opportunities in games and the rest is up to you. And I think the big key is, You just have to continue whatever work ethic it took to get you where you got. Heat that up, and if not, grow it. Grow it. When you get tired from workouts, from lifting and sore, and you feel like you can't go late night in the gym and get your 100, 200, 500, 1,000 shots up now that you have those guns or Dr. Dish machines, now's the time. And to keep that going during the season. Because the guy who takes the most shots is going to make the most shots. That's the way it goes. And the last thing is, don't worry about the league. Don't worry about the tournament. Don't worry about anything. Worry about the here and now. Be present. Unpack.
4: Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific.
3: All right, let's welcome him in. Um he's Jeff Settles. He's former Mr. Basketball in the state of Iowa. This is the I was actually looking through and researching, getting ready to have you on the Mr. Basketballs. And um uh Fred Hoyberg was ninety-one. Some dude I've never heard of, Eric Pothoven from from Pella Christian yeah. was ninety-two. Won't you tell me? Yeah. Rafe was the year after you. Adam uh, Spanich was was ninety-five. I actually played with Adam in the IBA. And he was at Oral Roberts for a time. He was USC Oral Roberts. Uh, Justin Wessel, Dean Oliver, Nick Carlson, Kirk Heinrich, Glenn Worley. Like, there's been some really, really, really good players. All right, you grew up where in Iowa?
5: I grew up in Winfield, Iowa, um, a town of 1,000. I lived on a farm north of Winfield, Iowa, about 45 minutes south of the University of Iowa. So it was, a, uh, it was a community. We did not have any stoplights. I always grew up wanting to play for Iowa, Doug. And uh, when I went to the five-star basketball camp in Pittsburgh, because there weren't any pickup games or any competition where I was growing up, that's when it kind of ignited my fire to, to get better, to drill, and, and to see that I could compete against better players around the country.
3: Okay, but you're, you're skipping some steps. So Winfield, <laughs> Iowa, uh, I mean, yeah. wheat farm, corn farm, what kind of farm? Corn and beans, Mm
5: -hmm. and I still farm with my dad. Uh, About a month from now, I'll be sitting in a John Deere tractor and combine for a couple months straight, going back and forth, picking the feeding the world, feeding you, Doug. I know you like corn on the cob. I do, and uh, I like soy. I like like soy
3: products as well. You know, like okay, okay, there you go. Um, and then they're doing some stuff with peas now. You know those those Beyond Meat burgers with peas. Um, okay, so don't I, eat that. Don't eat that. Eat I, the real meat. Uh, I do like, like real meat. I, I do like real meat. Thank but, you. But but you know some stuff you gotta you gotta try all kinds of. Okay, so I'm picturing like uh, how many acres growing up.
5: Uh, I grew up on a 200 acre farm.
3: Okay, so 200 acres. I'm I'm picturing like uh, grain silo, barn. Yep hoop on yes. the barn freestanding hoop a la hoosiers like no no but but not absolutely tell me give me the picture of what the uh, of what the farm looked like in the in in the 80s
5: so your typical 1890s farmhouse that's been remodeled like six times over the years goes from that kind of cheap siding with no insulation to now as you know you get a little more modern you get the regular siding you've got the detached garage with the hoop on the side of it. Uh, You've got the hog sheds right next to the garage. So literally, if you shot the ball at a poor angle and it ricocheted off the right way, it would end up in a manure pit. And you'd have to go hose the ball off before you could shoot again. So it made you really concentrate on your jumper. We had a few horse pins, three or four grain bins, a machine shed, and all kinds of older tractors, combines, planters. Things like that sitting around, tried to mow them the best job we could, but uh, just your typical great Iowa farm farm okay. family farm.
3: So why not football? Like your your cousin's George Kittle's, you're six seven. Like you look, even now you look at when you walk into a room, guys would say like, "Oh, you played tight end or you played offensive line for." You're not heavy, but I mean, you look like almost feels like that's your build. Why basketball, not football?
5: I just love the game. I, I played football in middle school and uh it was so violent and I was I was a tough kid but it just seemed like every time you come back from a game you had a sprained finger, a rolled ankle. Uh we weren't very good at that time so we got slaughtered a lot of games. Actually Bob Stoops I saw him at a charity event a few years ago and, and he said the same thing, Doug. He's like, Man, you really messed up. You should have you should have played tight end. Yeah. And even uh, it's, it, who just went into the uh, Hall of Fame, the end Tony, Z- G- Tony Gonzalez, yeah. Yeah, Tony Gonzalez. So, Tony, I played against him when he was a cow and I was at Iowa. And we were standing on the court, and he just starts staring at me at the free throw line. And he says, Jess, man, you really messed up. You're in the wrong sport. So, so you're not wrong in that. But uh, I just love basketball more. Seems like everybody else in the family plays football. We had a, We were all pretty big and pretty strong. I never got the speed gene. So I think I made the right decision although if I had it to do all over again I might have gone the baseball route and been a pitcher it's just a lot a lot less demanding physically
3: yeah a six foot seven pitcher you reach halfway to halfway to home play plus Iowa there you, if you go. build it with they 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 will they will come um, okay so your high school was how big how many how many kids you graduate with
5: I think we had about twenty five to thirty in my class uh, very small um, but had a great opportunity at a small school to kind of play all five positions to learn the game that way. I got to play varsity as a freshman like everybody did. There were no cuts. Uh, everybody got a uniform who went out. And so the summer, the Nike camp, the five-star camps and all those, those were critical to my development. And my mom was a pretty good basketball player in high school as well, and she taught me a lot. But uh, I six had to on, Six on six, the right? State. Six on six, right? Six on six, that legendary six on six game. That's what I grew up watching. Our, our women's teams were outstanding at Winfield. They won most of their games, and uh, then our men's team struggled. But uh, yeah, I, I saw the I saw the beginning and end of six on six basketball, and then obviously the way the games changed today. I was a part of a, a good era.
3: Yeah, fa- uh, the old fan back. Did you have a fan backboard? Did you have the full backboard? Yes,
5: we had a steel. <laughs> the, the fan backboard stayed in Iowa, I think, until the mid nineties. I mean, I, I played on one all all four years. It was crazy,
3: yeah.
5: and we still don't have a shot clock. We, need, we still don't have a shot clock in the state of Iowa, believe that or not. I don't know if you guys do out there or not.
3: The, I think that they, they do in high school basketball. We didn't when I was, when I was a kid. Who is Eric Pothoven, and how did he win Mr. Basketball the year in between you and Fred Hoiberg and Ray Friends?
5: He was a, an elite scorer out of Pella, and uh, I believe they won a state title. He, he, he deserved it. He was the top player in the state at that time. But of all those guys on the list, the biggest problem is, Doug, that most of them, other than Dean Oliver there, uh, Glenn Worley, myself, everybody else didn't end up at Iowa. Right. And you start talking about Heinrich and the Collison, especially Rafe LaFrance, those guys all went to Kansas, as you know, and changed the course of history for the state of Iowa and Iowa basketball. So that was was really devastating to the Iowa program as well as Iowa State. But you just can't, in a state this size, you can't lose – legendary players like that. They both came from great families and all of them have wonderful pro careers as well.
3: Um, okay. So you show up, you show up, I uh, was there, was there any thought to you going out of state to play in college?
5: Okay. So you'll, you'll be fascinated by this and I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but the two of us, we almost ended up on the same team in Notre Dame. Oh, have you ever no, thought about this? No, I know
3: that I know. I know all this, but I don't think people will, be, will believe it. but, but,
5: So Fran McCaffrey and John McLeod uh, heavily recruited me. I I ended up coming down to Michigan, Iowa, and Notre Dame. I grew up a Hawkeye fan, obviously close to the university. Loved the Hawks, but I was so intrigued by that Notre Dame degree. John McLeod and his pro system. Uh, My football weekend at the University of Notre Dame was just unbelievable. It was off the chart. I had to meet Julia Roberts, Dick Vitale, all those guys. I mean, they really sold the program. And um, I just, uh, I just was hesitant. They ended up giving scholarships to, I believe, Marcus Young, and was it Gorsch that you played with one year? Gotch, Matt Gorsch, Matt Gotch, Matt Gotch, Matt Gotch. Yes, excuse me, Matt Gotch. So those guys took the two scholarships. I even remember meeting with Fran about possibly doing a partial scholarship on 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 baseball, being on the baseball team. But then a few years later, you come in there, and I'm looking at the roster a while back, and I think it would have been Ryan Hoover, Doug Gottlieb, Pat Garrity, and Jeff Settles in the mid-'90s running up down the court, which would have been unbelievable.
3: Unbelievable list of white dudes, like the whitest dudes ever. Unbelievable. We had – so, Anthony Weish, uh, who's assistant at Lehigh, I'll never forget. We played Georgetown. This is like a big Monday. They have – they're ranked number two in the country. They have Allen Iverson. They have, you know, uh, they have uh, Junkyard Dog. Uh, they got Victor Page. Oh you yeah. know, They have. I mean, they're just loaded. And I'll never forget um, Iverson. We're at like the free throw line in the first half, and Antonio Weish is our first sub in. We started five white dudes, and, and here comes Tone. Tone lines up next to Iverson. He's on one side of Iverson. I'm on the other side. And um, at, at that time, Iverson's nickname was Bubba Chuck, and he's like, "What's up, Chuck?" And they kind of they kind of dapped a little bit. He's like, "Yo, man." What's up with all the white dudes in Notre Dame? Y'all got a rule? You can't start a brother? And we were just dying, dying, dying (laughs) laughing.
4: slash iHeart. Okay, so you show up as a
3: as a freshman at Iowa. Doctor Tom Davis is Correct. your coach, but forgive me if I'm wrong. I feel like Kingsbury had a might have had a bigger uh, image. Like I know he wasn't like you averaged like 15 and seven your first year, but it feels like people were more the Kingsbury. Kingsbury was like a he had like a Johnny Manziel, Baker Mayfield. What was? Tell me what Chris Kingsbury was like to play with.
5: Yeah, you have such a fascinating memory. I mean, that's exactly right. That's a great way to break him down. He came in as a McDonald's All-American, arguably the best shooting guard in the country as far as shooting the basketball. I think he won the three-point competition at the Nike camp and was by far the best shooter there for our class. He was early maturing, very strong, extremely competitive, one of the better passers I've ever played with as well. But as you know, when you're just a true shooting guard, that transition, especially back then, was so hard to make. Those of us who were forward centers could get cheap baskets throughout the game. I mean, you can get a couple offensive rebounds, a couple tip-ins, and you felt good about your game. Or shooting guards just, you had to knock in shots, and that was about the only way you could score because you were getting mugged half the game and grabbed and held, and you just couldn't get easy baskets. Obviously, if you're playing point guard, you have the ball in your hand. You can get a little confidence throughout the game. But he was tremendous to play for, struggled a little bit his freshman year. But then when we came back the next couple of years, I mean, he was an all-league guy. Uh, ended up getting a few tryouts in the NBA. But he was – I roomed with him. And, uh, you know, for a naive kid coming from a town of a 1,000, you know, never basically been out of the town, the room with Chris Kingsbury got my eyes open. <laughs> okay, so he wore he wore
3: 14 because his favorite drink was 7-7, seven and seven, correct?
5: I, I I have no idea. That can't be right. I've never heard that.
3: That's what he told me.
5: I've never heard that. Yeah, you never heard that. All right, All
3: right we'll put that out never there. We'll, that. I, we'll, we'll ask if Kingsbury wants to. Kingsbury is Kingsbury's on Twitter. Um, you guys had? Uh, didn't you have a dude uh, James Winters? Right? Was this was the big senior on, on your team? Yeah. You you were you guys any? I don't. I feel like that was right at the end of the Dr. Tom Davis thing when you guys remember. Uh, what what was what was going on with the team? What was who is who is James Winters? How did he play?
5: Well, James Winters was a phenomenal player, extremely athletic. Um, I, I remember Van Arnsdale from the Phoenix Suns once asking me about James Winters because he'd seen him on tape, and he's like, "Man, if that kid was two or three inches taller, you know, he would have he would have been a pro." So he was very undersized forward, but James Winters was one of the unsung heroes in the history of our program because he was basically the only senior left after Chris Street was killed in the tragic accident. So yeah. you can imagine you've got an NCAA tournament team, A.C. Earl, Wade Lookingbill, James Winters, Kevin Smith, Val Barnes, and they go to the second round, I believe, the year before. Chris Streaks in his accident. Everybody else graduates, a couple guys thrown off the team. So he comes in and has to play his senior year with a bunch of freshmen, underclassmen. Kenyon Murray was a McDonald's All-American Mr. Basketball, the state of Michigan, Montier Glasgow was out of Detroit. We had a pretty poor team that first year.
3: How do you have two McDonald's All-Americans, a freshman, a sophomore, you, and this dude James Winters, and you guys weren't very good? How is that possible?
5: We just, that, that first year, you know, Kingsbury and I were freshmen. Kenyon and Monteer were just young, lost a lot of close games, and then Winters was hurt probably the last two or three weeks of the year when the, when the games were, the big games were on the line. So it, it just didn't work out, but uh, yeah, he was he was incredible. And then in the next couple of years, we had pretty good teams.
3: Yeah, next year you had Kingsbury. You you had Andre Woolridge, right? He's from Chicago, I think. Right? Oh yeah, big point guard. Uh, and and Ryan Bowen came in as as well. Um, he was he was more off 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 the bench. Um, what was Dr. Tom like to play for?
5: He was wonderful. I I always tell people I look forward to going to practice every single day. It just, he made the game fun. We were a little bit ahead of our time. We pressed the entire game. So it seems like, you know, eight, nine guys always got good minutes. We played so hard in that pressure defense that we'd actually sub ourselves out because we we couldn't play 40 minutes. We played a fast pace. uh, Like today, the forwards had the green light to shoot the three-pointer. We never felt like we were out of a game. We played in a lot of games where we were down 20 or up 20 and then the games would come back to even because of just the style of play he was he was great to play for we had some good ncaa tournament runs my career ended against clit elamin rep hamilton and yukon who beat elton brand trajan langdon avery and the national championship that year but we lost in phoenix in the sweet 16 but dr tom was phenomenal to play for he would talk to you about business on the bus he would talk to you about academics he was into the arts. He, he was a very well-rounded guy. He has his PhD, so he was more of a businessman who coached basketball rather than just a basketball junkie who was just obsessed with the game.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Um, you hurt your back. Was it your junior year or your senior year that you hurt your back?
5: I, it started my sophomore year right in the preseason and just obviously was a struggle every year since. I ended up having to sit out two years, believe it or not. So I see... I see some of these transfer portal guys, and are they're trying to play and transfer and get fifth and six years. And I, I know, unfortunately, what that's all about. But uh, yeah, that that derailed a, a lot of goals and dreams. That's for sure.
3: Wait, wait, see, wait. You sat out. Okay, so you started. <laughs> okay, so remind me because you sat out the yeah. You you started in 93 ninety three ninety four, but you you got you 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 sat out first ninety six ninety seven. You played a couple games, and the next year you completely shut it down, and then you came back. So how how right. that's like your sixth year at your university, and right. and you decided not to leave. What what's that like to come back and try and play and keep in mind you're playing with a completely different group of guys, right? Like it's it might as well be a different sport almost, um, considering the guys that you played with at the end of your career.
5: Exactly. So I'm just imagine I'm in the locker room. Freshman, sophomore year at Iowa, things are going great. Uh, Dean Oliver, who you mentioned as Mr. Basketball, he was like an eighth grader at Mason City. And he would come into the locker room, you know, to get autographs and hang out with the team because we were recruiting him at an early age. Ricky Davis, who ended up being a first-round pick of the Cavs, played with LeBron his first year, I believe. Also another star Iowa high school kid. So these guys are coming in the locker room when I'm a freshman and sophomore, And then fast forward to 1999 when I'm coming back to play that final year after being out two years. And I'm looking across the locker room and they have lockers in the same locker room. And I'm just, I just thought, man, I've been here forever. It was, it was tough. It was a completely different game, completely different teammates. You're pretty emotionally scarred at that point. Um, you know, trying to perform still having false pro aspirations and dreams, even though it's just not possible. So you're, you're really emotionally, mentally not quite as sharp as you want to be. I just kind of took that last year to be a mentor, and and uh, it was Dr. Tom's last year, so it was a unique situation where he was a lame lame duck coach. So we were, you know, we were constantly a story that year, and we had a good year and made it to the Sweet 16. But the game had completely changed. It was it was bizarre, and uh, you know, I wouldn't wish it upon anybody.
3: Uh, and you had added Sam Oakey, right? Who is uh, yes. Right, who's who is like yes. Kingsbury? Crazy only played your position. Another guy who should have played football. Um, give me your give me your <laughs> best give me your best Sam Okey story.
5: Man, I forgot about Sam Okey. That's crazy. Uh, Sam Okey was a, another guy. I remember going with Kingsbury, Doug, in my parents' van to recruit Sam Okey when he was playing at a at an event in Dubuque when he was a junior in high school. He grew up in Cassville. I mean, he was just an unbelievable athlete, an above-the-rim guy. When he ended up transferring to Iowa, I was shocked. I mean, it was was crazy. It just seemed like I'd been there forever, and here's another guy who had played against Wisconsin transferring into Iowa. Unfortunately, he broke his wrist right there with five or six games to go in 1999. I mean, or we would have been even better. He was a great player. I can't think of any stories that... You know, crazy stories. I mean, I, know he, I mean, I'll he, just tell you, like, so,
3: so, so, high school. Okay, so, look, he was, he was the one, um, the uh, Cole, the coal, the center, right in Wisconsin. Yeah, the, the senator Cole said he would donate the money to the arena after Sam Oakey committed to going to Wisconsin. Like that's how big oh. it was to 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 get him. So I played in the, it was called the Coca-Cola All-American game in Indianapolis. Bob Knight's son ran it, right? So I played in the, I played in the Magic's round ball. I didn't play McDonald's. The Magic's round ball. And I played in the Coca-Cola All-American game. And Sam Oakey was on my team. And I was, I was 19. I, I, I was held back. I was 19 as a, as a senior. and I had a fake ID. And Sam Oakey, I don't know if he had a fake ID, but he just, he looked like a grown man. And so like the night of or the night before the game, I'm going to say the night of the game, like after the game, we play the game. It's fun. We go out afterwards. And yeah. like, here's a kid. I'm guessing at the time he's six, seven, probably only 225 oh, yeah. or something it was before he got really, it was still pretty strong. And he's, he was so drunk. I had to like put him a kind of on my shoulder and help him like back to the hotel, which is a couple blocks away. And he was like moving a dead body. And, uh, Ooh. and I, I just, I remember like, we, cause we were roommates. I got him to the room, like you get him in his bed. Right. And he's just a mess. And he looks up at you and he goes, good time, huh? Fun night. Let's do it again tomorrow night. And and he's out like that. He's a, he's a nut. You guys, Iowa has this like mix, right? You play with J.R. Koch. He, I, I took a visit with him to, to, um, nice. uh, to Notre Dame. He fell asleep, um, on our visit. Uh, out at in Ryan Hoover's dorm room when they were throwing us kind of a dorm party, like JR Koch, nicest dude ever. You had this like mix of like super nice farm dudes and hardcore party drinkers. That's how I look at Iowa basketball.
5: I mean, it's it's nice to talk to you to get to know the guys I played with. I I just didn't know this side of it. It was just hilarious. JR Koch was a pro. People forget yeah. that he was a, he was Knicks. drafted in the second Knicks. round by the Knicks. Yeah. Had he had he played today, Doug? I, I think as a true like a stretch five, I think he would have been a first round pick. I mean, his his game was built for today's game. Maybe not as much back then, but he, he had some knee troubles overseas, and he's now the the Donald Trump real estate mogul of Peoria, Illinois. I don't know if you knew that.
3: I did not know that.
5: Yes, if you're if if you go to Peoria, the, the top real estate guy in that city is Jr. Koch. He's he's doing really well. He's a, he's phenomenal, but. I don't know. I remember Sam Olke drinking a gallon of milk every night, a pregame you know, meal. He would li- literally get a picture of it and down the entire thing in front of us. But he was a, he was another McDonald's All-American I played with. I played with three or four of those guys that I wouldn't. People used to criticize Tom Davis for not being able to recruit, and yet we've never had that many All-Ma- All-Americans on campus at one time ever before. So I guess that was kind of a myth.
3: Uh, okay, so you're there six years, and yeah. and it's over. Then what would you
5: do? That's a great question. What did I do right after school? I went into television. I worked at the local CBS affiliate out of Cedar Rapids, Iowa, for a couple years. Also sold pharmaceuticals. Uh, married my high school sweetheart, Webb Webking. Her dad was a great football coach in the state of Iowa for many years. And uh, started a family, so that's uh, that's what happened. And uh, got out of pharmaceuticals farm with my dad, and, and, and I'm still doing television.
3: Um, you, you didn't like? Was it because of the back, or did you lose the love for it? Why, why hang it up?
5: I, it was strictly for the back. No, I did not. I, I loved the game. I was just in too much pain. I had I'd kind of run out of options. I was working out that summer for a team in Australia. And uh, ended up hurting it even worse, to where it just—I didn't have a choice anymore. So it basically made the decision for me. So yeah, the injuries really damaged my career. My the back injury is so brutal to deal with, and even even in small ways, it's always bothering you. And uh, it just wiped me out.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um. So n- now you're now you're covering the league. Uh, how much different is the Big Ten now from when you played?
5: It's, it's different because, for several reasons, it's really hard with Shashevsky with and Cal Perry and now Penny Hardaway. It's almost like, Doug, they take the top 20 guys every year and just leave the scraps for everyone else. So I remember my freshman year when I played. I played against Grant Hill when he was, I think, a senior at Duke uh, in a, in a non con game. And then you can look at the Big Ten. I, go, I went up against the Fab Five one night. You go up against the Sean Leonard of Minnesota the next night. Uh, you go up against Deion Thomas at Illinois the night after that. Glenn Robinson then comes to town after you're, you're already worn down and you're a freshman, and then here comes the big dog who will drop 40 on you. Right. We It felt like at that time, and especially when you and I were growing up in the late 80s, it seems like the Big Ten got all of the elite players. Now, that's probably not the case, but it felt like there was a lottery pick every other night coming to Carver Hawkeye Arena. So now it's a little bit different. We don't quite get those level of guys, and so there's a, there's a lot more parity and not quite as much attention on that. The new rules, obviously, have probably, in my opinion, as a fan, have hurt the Big Ten more than any other league as far as you can't grab and hold and you can't fight to the death that's what I loved about it, playing in it and growing up and watching it. And the freedom of movement rules have totally changed the way the game is coached, the way the game is played. To where a kid like Nick Ward from Michigan State, uh, Caleb Weston for Ohio State, Matt Harms from Purdue, they can't even stay on the floor anymore. And, yes, it's their own doing because they know the rules and uh, the coaches train them that way. But when those, if those guys would have played when we played – it, they, you, you didn't even think about fouling out. I, I literally never thought ever about fouling out of the game. So those are a couple changes.
3: Yeah, you would have been a small ball center though. You realize that, right? Like you would have had fives on.
5: You. No doubt, would have been a five. Yeah, a small ball. What stretch five is out what the What'd you call it?
3: Yeah, you not know. I, you, I don't know if you'd be. You'd have to. Yeah, you'd be a. You'd just be a small ball five. Yes, a stretch five is more just strict shooter. Like you'd be a small ball five. where you could step out and face up. You score in the post. You know. You rebound, the, the paint would be empty. Can you imagine the paint being empty and you playing at the 5, catching the ball at the top of the key? Like, what would that be like?
5: Uh, it, it would just be unbelievable, and, and, and no one could touch you. You know, you just lower the shoulder and just attack, and you'd get a whistle one way or the other. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's really interesting to see how the game has changed. I mean, the first round now of the NBA draft, so many of these guys who I was growing up with, wouldn't would have been late first round pick, maybe early second round pick instead of instead of uh, lottery pick. So it's it's really fascinating. What's your take on it? Do you do you like all the new rules? Would it affected you? I mean you you were lead, you led our led the nation in assists. Uh, it felt like every I, year you were playing. I would
3: I would say, I would say uh, look. I mean it. The way guys play now. When I when I got to Notre Dame, this is a great question. When I got to Notre Dame, um, I would. The way I played, you'd come down, you'd shoot three in transition or come off a ball screen and make a play, um, or you'd get to the hoop. I didn't have a middle game. And from the moment I stepped on campus, John McLeod's whole thing was, Dougie, you got to have a mid-range game, right? Like literally trying to rewire me. And, um, and you know, we ran an offense that was not a good fit for me. It was it was basically like a two-side motion, you know, almost blocker mover-esque, you know, where the guys – you're on one side with a screener and then the point guards up top and you almost never go through or we'd run a set. Um, and we didn't run, you know, a, a set secondary break. We just kind of playground and transition. So it was, it was a, it was a real fight. So in terms stylistically, the style of basketball is played now be for most, by most coaches would be much better for how I grew up playing. Now having the lane wide open, I realized that because my shooting went, went to, went to pots, um, you know, it would still be hard to get the rim, but a lot different. I, I mean, I think it'd be better for me. I think the guys that it's hurt are the are are the you guys or the power forwards and the centers, and those those are the guys that you know. It's it's like you brought up Nick Ward, perfect example. He's a first round pick ten fifteen years ago, right? He's a yep. he's a left handed yep. power forward. He's a first round pick now. He doesn't have a. I mean, he's not going to be an NBA player, and he's not. And. No. Uh, it's just a, it's a very different game. I agree with you in terms of the physicality of the Big Ten. I also think maybe the bigger one is guys leaving so early, and the Big Ten generally doesn't have. Obviously, Michigan's lost a ton, Michigan State's lost a bunch, Ohio State's lost some, but the Big Ten does have a tendency to have the best recidivist rate of any of the big conferences. I, I wonder, honest question. Now, if you were coming, if you were in college now, before you hurt your back. You know, would you have gone to the NBA? Do you have any—I don't know—bitterness is the word, but do you have any regrets over staying as long as you did because your back got progressively worse and you didn't have a post-college basketball career?
5: That's a that's a deep question. I, I think I think you when we grew up, and I, when I went to the University of Iowa, you went to Notre Dame. There's no question that we had a desire to play in the NBA. I think everybody had a desire that was somewhat like that. But first and foremost the desire was to win a national championship. Well,
3: but, I mean, wait, first we picked, and foremost it was to get a college scholarship,
5: right? There you go. Right. right. So one, so, yes. so
3: the first thing was like, man, I just want to get a scholarship. And you get a scholarship yeah. and you felt like and then and then it's and then it's man, I just now I just want to start. And I just want to start. Yes. And I mean I chose Notre Dame because I could start right away. And I, I'm still pissed I didn't start the first four games, even though I wasn't the better player in practice, you know? So then I want to start. Then, then you may want to start, like, okay, now like I want to get to the tournament. I want to become all league, you know? I mean, all these things were important, whereas it does feel like the only thing that's really important is, man, I got to get to the league, and it feels like it's skipping steps.
5: I totally agree. I, I'm a, it's, it's a fascinating conversation. I mean, your legacy back then was – to get a scholarship, I mean, that was such a big deal. If you got minutes, I mean, when I went to the University of Iowa, I was hoping to play by my sophomore or junior year. I mean, I was just hoping that it would open up like that. As a matter of fact, when I was being recruited by Michigan, I just looked at their roster, and I looked at the guys that were recruiting behind me, like Tractor Trailer, Mo, Tr- Mo Taylor, guys who were really good, and a lot of other bigger names, and I just thought, I'm not going to get the minutes here. I'm just like you going to Notre Dame. I've got to go someplace where I feel like I can get the minutes, and, and Dr. Tom tried not to recruit over people. Yeah, But then it was a matter of, you know, you got to hang a banner. You've, you've got to win a Big Ten championship. You've got to go to a Final Four. Obviously, when the injury hit me my sophomore year, then everything in my mind changed. I, I was still in pursuit of those goals. But then it was like, man, I, I would hate to play – and be good at this game, and never get one paycheck from playing this game, and so then it becomes you become a little more self focused. Unfortunately, when you get injured and you start planning your your individual career, but it was never it was never at all like it was today. Although, if we grew up in today's game, Doug, we would probably think the same way.
3: Yeah, I mean, look, I'm, if I have any bitterness, I didn't. I just I want to play one game. I want to play in the final four. Came up one game short. I yeah. want to play in the NBA. And I I you know, I, I I did rookie camps and vet camps, but never the, the true like the true training camps, so I never even played a preseason game. Uh but I, I still would deem my career a success, not just for what I've been able to do post career, but like look, I accomplished a lot of the things that people only dream of accomplishing. So I still have perspective, whereas like we we are kind of raising kids to not understand not you know they they'll tweet out like truly blessed to get an offer from Duquesne University like yeah but that's not really how you feel you should feel really truly blessed to get an <laughs> offer but right. you don't you you feel almost entitled and you know almost entitled to get a shot in the league and people don't realize how hard that is
5: so yes so I've known you for many years Doug and always appreciated you and been very proud of your success and after playing the game. But I'll tell you, and you've got to give me a comment on this. The time that I really fell in love with you is when you went face to face with Marcus Pfizer, the Big Twelve tournament. Wow. Nobody went face to face with that guy. You got to you got to fill me in on that story. Okay,
3: so, um, so Iowa State, the first year I'm in the Big Twelve, <laughs> like again, like I, so so my the year I sat out went to Notre Dame, I sat out went to junior college, and then uh, that year they played UCLA in the tournament. Great game in the tournament. I think in the second round and UCLA beat him. Um, what was the little what was the little guard's name? Holloway. Uh, I mean, he was tiny. Yeah, JC Holloway, man. JC Holloway, man. He was tiny. There you go. Um, so I, I remember I was at Malarkey's in Newport Beach, and I was. <laughs> And I am not a big drinker. I do not go out much. But a buddy of mine, Clay McKnight, who is also transferring, sitting out, he went from UC Irvine to Pacific. We go down to Malarkey's. We're watching the NCAA tournament, and we start drinking, and we've been there all day, and we are hammered. And we're watching, and I, I just I remember Iowa State liking it and, and liking a little bit of the, the story, and I knew a lot about Iowa basketball. So my first year we're at, at Oklahoma State, we play Tim Floyd's there, uh, they're not very good. Play them on Big Monday. Um, they did some weird shit where they, they'll, like, not guard you. And, and the, their, the best whoever the best player was, they'd guard you, and they would face guard you not look at anybody else. And the guy who was guarding, like, Adrian Peterson, our best player, he'd actually say, like, hands off, hands off, hands off, hands off, hands off. It was almost like they were programmed. They'd run, like, a triangle in two. So I actually played really well. I hit a bunch of shots, and we kicked their ass. They weren't very good. The next year, it was Pfizer's <laughs> first year, or maybe, no, his second year and they were a little bit better it was Eustace's first year and we kicked the hell of them at our place so we go up there my senior year and we uh, at, at Oklahoma State we've only got beaten by double figures twice i believe i believe it twice in 3 years once was texas my sophomore year they actually weren't very good but they just blasted us and i got benched at halftime because i talked back to coach and the, and uh uh well, he took me out for a mistake that wasn't my mistake, and I walked. And it was one of my first road games for him, and I was like, "That's bullshit." And he's like, "You know what's bullshit? You sit there, put on your sweats, and help me coach." Right. So, anyway, my senior year, we're good. I mean, we're really, really good, and we go up to Ames, and you know, they have Tinsley, they have Pfizer. Oh yeah. Uh, they have I mean, they got a squad like surely did even play on that team. Stevie Johnson's their center at like 6'5". He shot like 90% from the floor cuz they're all layups and dunks. Perfect college oh, yeah. basketball team. And they kicked the living shit out of us. They beat us by like 19 and we were like, "Are you fucking kidding me? They, they this team like we're better than them." So, we Big 12 tournament. Um god, who we play? Oh, we, we play Kansas the first day. And we were, we we're going to win the league, and then we lost to Oklahoma last game of the year at home, last game in Gallagher. We're up nine. Coach subs me out because he thinks they're going to foul me. We just go in the tank. I, I, I don't take an open shot at the end of the game. Pass it to, Anyway, we lose at home. So now we're the—we went from what would have been the one seed to, I think, the four seed, and we play Kansas. And we had beaten Kansas by 33— and we beat Kansas by 19. Wow. And we beat Kansas by 19. It was Heinrich and Collison were freshmen. And wow. we, we kicked the dog piss out of them. And um, uh, so the next day we play Iowa State. And they won the league. They're the one seed. We're the four seed. And I don't know if you've been to Kansas City, but Iowa State, when they're shitty, Iowa State, when they're good, Kansas City is filled with Iowa State fans. Like, they're crazy.
5: Oh, yeah, sir. it's a home away from home.
3: It's unbelievable. So we yep. walk in and, our, and we brought a good, we probably bought 5,000 fans and they probably brought 10,000 fans. And then there's like 5,000, you know, other fans for the, for the other side of the bracket or whatever. Place is packed. This old camp Arena. So um, they're talking all kinds of shit. And early in the game, I had a pass. Fred Janssen, who's our Swedish center sophomore. He's running down the middle lane and I'm kind of dribbling right to left, and I throw kind of a no look, like through a, through a bunch of arms. He gets it, he dunks it, and I am fucking woofing. I am running my mouth, coming for you. Oh, mo- ah. We're coming for you, motherfuckers. We're coming for you, right? Because they won the league, and we're we're coming for. Him. And um, the next time we we like, it's kind of the same. Like we were running Carolina secondary, but we would just Fred was our rim runner. So instead of throwing like through the defense, I throw it over the defense, and Freddie catches it. And he's about to dunk it, and Pfizer fouls the shit out of him. Like, and Marcus Pfizer was I don't know what six five whatever two two thirty. Yeah, and I mean he's built like you, and I mean he fouled Freddie hard. And so you know, like this kind of comes back to my Notre Dame. Like John McLeod was big on standing up for your guys. Now big guys are supposed to stand up for little guys, not more than little guy. Yeah. So I get right in Pfizer's face. Was like you, you know, like. You know, like, well, I don't know. I was just running my mouth. I'm like head to my head to his chest. Like he could pummel me right, with his head, right. but I'm right up in his chest. The part that sucks about it was I appreciate that you like that. We should have won the game. We got a four point lead with like two and a half to go. And Desmond Mason, our yes. best players in all American, he fouls out. And, um, we got a little selfish and then they were, they would do this thing to make me score right where I drive in and they would bluff at me and then get back. And almost leave like an open lane, and I, I missed a layup, and then I missed another one where I drove in, and I was so I was so hype that like I still have the picture of it. My hand was over the rim to like dunk it, and I like I was gonna finger roll it. Instead, I turned it around to dunk it, and I the ball I hit the back of the rim like some some high school idiot trying to dunk, and then I made one of two free throws late, whatever. Like Joe Atkins that way, I was shitty, he was shitty, and we lost the game. Um. the The funny part of the story is we lose the game. We should have won the game. Mason shouldn't have fouled out, but we are, We didn't do well, and we got a bad seed, a worse seed because of it. But we're walking out of the arena, and Tinsley and Pfizer had to do a piss test for. We all had to, like me, him, and I think it was, um, uh, uh Des and Mason. We we all had to do our drug test afterwards. And like, you know, you know how those games are like you're so tired, it's the end of the season, oh, you yeah. got nothing left. You're like, Man, I, I need like to drink like two Gatorades just to work up a pee to fill right. up this you, bottle.
5: Right, you can't go. You right. Can't so you're go. in the
3: same room and we just got done like woofing at these guys, and they're literally sitting two chairs across from us, they just won and we just lost, and it's the most uncomfortable thing ever. So there you go. There's my there's my Pfizer <laughs> Tinsley story.
5: I I didn't mean to bring up a bad memory. I, I forgot. It's not a bad memory. It kind of it's, fell apart. Yeah, right at the end.
3: Yeah, no, it fell. You apart.
5: Went after, my, my Marcus Pfizer story is when I came back my last year. I believe it was 1999. I believe that was his first year because what year was what? what no, that was, was that, that, game se- you that was, his, that, was
3: that was second. That was 2000. So That was the second because he played three years because when they beat okay. us they, when they beat us in Ames they were chanting. Uh, one, oh, MVP, one more year, one more year. So I think he stayed three years. So it was his second year.
5: So he, he had a phenomenal. You, you're you're exactly right. I mean, they were the ultimate college basketball team. I ended up covering them a few years later when I worked for CBS two, and they lost to Michigan State to go to the Final Four, which that that
3: which was, was the, the, that, was the that was the next year. That was that's the same year I'm talking about. That's the very next year. That's
5: that, the, oh, that, I mean, they, they that was the national championship game. Basically, those yes. were the two best teams and in then, the country. And, and, probably. And then we were,
3: and yes, and I thought we were probably the third best. But we wow. we were so shut about that. because we, we lost in the other elite eight, we lost to Florida who was they were young, but they were stacked. I mean, like yeah. nine dudes that played in the NBA and we just played like shit. and they had a better game plan and we just didn't play well. But yes, you're completely right. Iowa State and Michigan State, that was like a national champion. That's when I, you Stacy went crazy and got thrown out and yep. walked off the court and walked across the street and had a beer. Uh,
5: I was at that game. I was covering that game. it was un, it was mind-blowing. Mo Pete and company the year before when Pfizer was his first year on the team Eustace was trying to send messages so it was probably what the fourth or fifth game of the year where I was State and Iowa always play that big game and it was in Carver Hawkeye and I remember watching the tape and studying the tape but th- this is my sixth year I don't have much strength anymore I'm just more of a perimeter player not a power guy I'm watching Pfizer on tape and I tell the guys there's no way I can hang with this guy like he's going to beat me to sleep he was like Kind of a Charles Barkley college type of player, yeah. And so we get in the game, and he picks up somehow. He picks up a couple of quick fouls, and Eustacey throws him in the doghouse. Probably plays him five to ten more minutes of the rest of the game, and we beat him by let's say ten points, all because he was sitting on the bench. So that's how Eustacey kind of was the mind games. And also a good lesson. You know, you just show up and play no matter who you're playing. and You never know how the story's going to go.
3: No question. Okay, I I thought they did a great job you. with Tinsley. He couldn't shoot, but they would run stuff for him to get post ups and mid range stuff. And so you could they they would hide that that he couldn't shoot at all, and that allowed Tinsley to beat Tinsley. And he was he was a really hard cover for me. He was so big, and he, he if you gave him ground like when people would play off of me, I was too small. So the only way to do that is to to, to beat him in transition to shoot. And I wasn't a good shooter, and Eddie had no confidence in me, so I had no confidence. Uh, but he was so, so big. Let me ask you Go this. Ahead. Yeah.
5: Let me ask you this. So you you played for McLeod. Yep. You played for Sutton. Uh, who are a couple other guys, I mean, with, with your coaching mind, now your analyst mind, who are a couple other guys from that era who you would have loved to have played for for a year? I
3: would love to play for Self. I think he's awesome. Um, for I Bill just, Self? Yeah. I mean, he yeah. he lets we, you he play. He right? Uh, no, he was at Tulsa. Tulsa.
5: I was the Tulsa. Okay. Yeah,
3: he was a Tulsa. They went to the lead A, too. They were a great team. They lost to North Carolina. Um, just But Self, he, he he was hard on you, but he let his guards kind of go and let, let, let guys play even, even then. I almost played for Izzo. Um, I don't. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I think I would have been kind of the pro. If I would have taken – Izzo called me from the delivery room of his first baby Um, <laughs> and put the doctor on the phone, and I would have been his first point guard because my freshman year was the first year he was head coach had i taken that i'd i'd be a head coach in college right now right like it, wow. it would have been it would have been perfect um but i didn't i didn't even visit because trailer didn't visit and albert white didn't visit but i would have loved playing with um antonio smith and and jason Klein and the, that 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 crew and you know Mateen might not have ever gone there because he was the next year and he only went there because uh because of the car accident with michigan oh, the on, on, on his on his visit um who else uh, I mean, like, look, uh, you know, I always thought I wanted to play at Duke, um, white point guard. Yep. Duke Bobby Hurley was my idol. Like, that's that was a that yep. was a kind of a, an easy one. That was one I would. Um, and Arizona didn't recruit me, and I had friends that went to Arizona. They took uh, Jason um, Terry instead of me, and eventually Mike Bibby uh, ahead of me. And um, that would have been amazing, just because the way they played. Or or UCLA, and I didn't go to UCLA because, you know, Herrick did recruit over guys, and he didn't care. And he would tell you, like, five guys, Dougie. We play the five best guys. UCLA high post offense, not the only offense, just the best, you know. All right, last thing. I got a couple more for you. Last thing. Um, Your favorite arena to play in.
5: Back when I played, I would say – Illinois and Iowa had a huge rivalry over the Deion Thomas situation. That yeah. place was nuts. Yeah. It's not the same anymore. Um, and then Hilton Coliseum and Ames, you played in that. That was an incredible place to play outside of Carver Hawkeye Arena. Okay.
3: Uh, best player you thought you ever played against?
5: Freshman year, it seems like I played against so many legends. I would say Glenn Robinson, far and away in college was the best player I ever played against. I, I've talked to many assistant coaches who had to scout him in the 90s. They all would agree that he was far and away the best player of that era in the Big Ten. Played against Grant Hill, like I mentioned before, but he wasn't Grant Hill of the Pistons. When he was in college, he was not on the attack, where Big Dog would attack you on every possession. My freshman year, which is the only time I played him, I made the mistake I was playing well against him. I was, I was, for some reason, I was feeling my oats. And I was in a defensive stance, and I, and I said, come on, big dog, come on. Uh, come at me. I don't know why I would have ever said that. In the middle of the game, Doug, he starts chuckling at me. In the middle of the game, ends up with 38, dunked on us multiple times. Glenn Robinson wasn't even close.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then how, how do you, when like you have a family, how many kids?
5: I have three little girls, 14, 11, and 8
3: when when people tell them, come up to them and say, Man, your daddy was a great player, right? Which is always feels cool, right? how um, do how do you, how, right, do you right. how do you want to be described to your kids?
5: So I've taken the approach, my wife and I, we don't put pictures out and jerseys and trophies and things like that. I, I don't know why. I because when I go to my other teammates' houses, I absolutely love that more than anything else to see all the memorabilia. But I just wanted them to grow up not knowing much about it, just so they didn't have to live up to any false expectations. And that may be wrong. That may be right. But that's sort of been the way we've done it. So my fourteen-year-old is now, because of Twitter, because of the Big Ten Network, you know, being on television. She's she'll constantly being getting asked things like that so how, what's the question how, how do I want to be remembered or how do you want to be described just just as a great teammate and a great hawkeye I mean I my, my dream was always to play for the hawkeyes and and that's what that's what I want to be remembered as
3: uh were the wrestlers tougher than than you
5: they were they they may have been clinically insane right I mean yes. great guys yes. but John Streep, our legendary trainer, always used to say the difference between the wrestlers and the rest of the athletes is that they, they, you know, they partied just as hard as everybody else, but at five the next morning they'd be in the in the weight room lifting and working out while everybody else would be sleeping in. I grew up in the Dan Gable era at Iowa. Sure. So you know, I won a national championship every year, and it's hard for basketball guys to love wrestlers, but in Iowa it wasn't hard with Dan Gable. My first Maybe the second week I was on campus, I went up and I asked Gable if I could ride the exercise bike in the wrestling room just because I thought it would be more intense than riding it out on the basketball court. And I think that's the first time you'd ever had a basketball guy request to be able to work out in the wrestling room. But he said yes. And so then he gets on the bike next to me, Doug. And for, I ride it for half an hour. and I'm riding it hard. But he tries to do it harder than me. He's trying to break the machine to show me that he still got it. Yeah. And I don't. So that's kind of their mentality. Iowa wrestlers were as tough as they got. It was yeah. it was incredible.
3: Oklahoma State too. I always say this: uh, three things that'll survive the nuclear holocaust: Twinkies, cockroaches, <laughs> and wrestlers. And 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 wrestlers. Hey man, this is great. It's awesome catching up with you. Can't wait to break some bread, do some stuff in the Big Ten Network with you. Thanks so much for for uh, for being part of All Ball.
5: Thanks a lot, Doug. Appreciate you. Fox Sports Radio
4: has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.
3: My thanks to Jess Settles, one of the all-time Hawkeye legends. Of course, you can see him on the Big Ten Network. I'm Doug Gottlieb, and this is All Ball.
4: Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit livenation.com slash concertweek to learn more and plan your summer with Champ, Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club.
1: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
4: A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh?
1: Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. <laughs>